Welcome to the Yellow Peril Podcast, where we help you navigate the perilous world of Asian American identity through pop culture, sex, politics, and whatever other random stuff is currently distracting us. Welcome back, Yellow Perilers. Greeting to all you ums, all you parks, all you chungs. I'm Jeff Oki. I'm Corey. I'm Soyeon Um. Very special day today. We have uh, Soyeon in here to talk about her new project, Liquor Store Dreams. Yes. Babies yeah. was the short film. Yes. Yes. And then Corey is here as our new co-host. Hello. Welcome as well. Thanks for joining everybody. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, why don't we just start with like telling us a little bit about yourself and um, you can just call me So. I go uh, by So. Um, I'm a Korean American filmmaker based out in Los Angeles. Recently, I made a short film through Visual Communications AWC program called Liquor Store Babies. It's very confusing because I, I distinctly made it two different names, so it could have like a little bit more differentiation rather than yeah. So the short film was basically about my liquor store owning father and how our dreams and lives are cyclical to one another. And most recently, I decided to expand it into a feature-length documentary, Liquor Store Dreams, to kind of cover more history and other stories besides just my own, because the short film could have, it was only five minutes, and a lot of the times people end up saying, oh, I wish it was longer. And I was like, I definitely want to make it longer, especially because even though this is, this primarily has been our main Korean American stereotype, and it feels like it should have been already documented, there hasn't really been anything. Yeah, I can't, unless it's a stereotype yeah, in a movie. Yeah, yeah for like, sure. Yeah, someone and making that's fun of. That's something we're, we're also addressing because I love movies, I watch everything, and when I see a liquor store owner who is Korean in SoCal, sometimes I'm like, yes, but I'm like, ugh. Yeah. It's not accurate. They're right? very, they're mostly villainized, and for good reasons, a lot of media has portrayed us as especially the other, the yeah. bad guys, mm -hmm. things like that, yeah. even if we're the ones getting robbed. Yeah. So kind of taking that and examining that within the feature as, long, as well as the history of how we got that stereotype and kind of other things that are happening at the moment. I will definitely say, I saw the short, great. Thank you. It's definitely too short. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, uh, more. Yeah. Like, and I definitely almost wept. Yeah, I cry every time. Do, yeah, and I really? saw the video yeah. where you show your dad. Did, oh, did he okay. cry? Oh, wow. He didn't he, he cry. He said he got a little emotional. I think he said he had feelings. I usually uh, am more emotional because the other character is Danny. His story is a lot. He has to deal with like the death of his father and yeah. things like that. So I always feel a little bit more choked up. Yeah. Whereas my story, I'm kind of. I lived it. I'm watching it. That's, it's yeah. That's it happened. Great, yeah. But so I resonate more with his story as like a viewer. But my dad, I think, because he was finally watching my perspective and how I felt during, like me working at the store, he kind of felt a little like a little sorry, a little. It opened yeah. his eyes to yeah. your experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did your Did you show your mom though? Because your your mom oh. helps. There my, yeah, my, yeah, I actually... Yeah. You all help there in a yeah. way, right? Yeah. I didn't film her watch it. I did send it to her, and it was so casual. Like, she watched it very recently, and it was so casual. The only thing she really was like, I don't know. It just feels like it was, like, lacking. She and wanted was, more, maybe. I think it, that was a part of it, but I That's think she's Korean, so used yeah. to... Way to... I know, say. I know. Yeah. She's so <laughs> used to things having so much production value that I think she wanted kind of a certain level where it was shot with, I don't know, a red or things like that. 
not shot on a potato, even though we didn't shoot it on a potato. Right. Um, <laughs> I think it, when you're not a, I don't know, she's she watches films, but mostly blockbusters, yeah. and if that's all you have to compare it to, it can seem like it, quote-unquote, lacks. Mm-hmm. But I think she appreciated it. I think a lot of immigrants... Uh, in their perspective, they're always like, why are you filming this? Like, why does this matter? Like, this is my experience. I'm living it. I'm sh- not very proud of it. But I think for us in the, from the outside, we're like so fascinated. We have to document it because we understand how important it is. Rather than for them, they're kind of doing the grunt work. They're doing it day to day. It's not glamorous at all. So that's like a lot of the feedback that they always tell me. They're like, oh, so what? Exactly. I think uh, people watch movies as a form of escape. And I think when you have such an impactful documentary like mm-hmm. yours, which shows what reality is, mm-hmm. um, maybe your mom maybe saw that perspective as well. Yeah, like, for sure. Why we I watch it to escape, mm-hmm. but no, it's a very impactful documentary to have because we always have to show realism yeah, in for film. Sure. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited because yeah. again, the five minutes I was like, I definitely want to know yeah. more. So most and recently, see the journey for everybody. we've started trying to crowdfund for the feature length film. We're already 15 days in. We have 15 more days to go to raise $30,000. We're already at, I think, around 27%, which is 10,000-ish. I think we're almost at 11,000 within like the hour right now. So I'm really excited. To me, no matter what, this film is going to get made. Yeah. Um, but obviously, I definitely want the support and love from the community. And this is not just my story, but everybody else's. Yeah. Whether you are an immigrant or a millennial who's like struggling to find a, a job yeah. or just being a dreamer. And you're super involved in the Asian American film community as well. You've done programming <laughs> for several festivals. Yeah. I feel like you've done a few Q and A's. Yeah, I mean, I reviews. You do it. I was trying to take like the Pak Chanuk route, where if I felt like after I graduated from Long Beach, you did as well. Yes, I went to film school there. I know, I love it. Um, (laughs) I went to film school there, and I thought I had to like I I I wasn't ready to become a filmmaker right away. So Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, a lot of people end up doing film criticism, and then they go into film that way. And so that's kind of how I got into it. When I was 19, I made my own film blog called mm-hmm. So's Real Thoughts. And it's over, it's been, I think it's like 12 years old now. Uh, Isn't that? It's old. I mean, I've seen the YouTube mm-hmm. channel and so the you, reviews. The YouTube channel was created maybe six or seven years ago. Um, so it's be, I've been consistently writing. And then when YouTube kind of started getting bigger I was like okay let, there's not any Asian faces yeah. reviewing movies so I kind of have to be the one doing it because who else is going to do it if, if not me uh, and so I kind of took that upon myself and then yeah. <laughs> it was such a big task but I'm glad that I did it because I got I got really great opportunities which led me to programming I was like who are who's picking all these films for film festivals I really want to be part of it because not only do I love watching these films but I want to support other filmmakers the community and I ended up uh, programming for LA Film Fest, AFI Fest, LA Asian Film Festival. And so it's been really good. I think most recently I've been trying to stop programming because all you're doing is like watching so many that I have to, if I'm watching so many, I can't make as much and like practice. So I've kind of tried to shift my intention and focus more on actually filmmaking. Which has been working out really well. Yeah, you're doing it. Yeah. You've got this next big project yeah. coming. I would like to say a lot of people always say the short film 
they were like, oh, it was amazing. I can't believe you made it as your first short film. I'm like, I've made hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's not be, let's not like mis you know mislead other people and say this was my first thing like i've made so many bad things and it's just like making bad stuff to actually make really good stuff to know like what works what doesn't so i always say like just do it all right yeah yeah but and most people are like you knocked it out of the yeah, park on your yeah. first it's try amazing. <laughs> especially this one this was such a collaborative effort like i had a brilliant editor named jean ream who actually edits for jubilee media right now and she's amazing. I love the way that she edits and she just takes, she's just is such a great human being. <laughs> and she, she takes empathy and she, she uses that to kind of help her um, in her work. And so I, 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 I really appreciated that when it came to the story. How much time did you personally spend at the liquor store, like growing up? And then, yeah. yeah. Hmm. And how did, from all this, where did this love of film come from? Was it just, you know? Um, oh man, okay, two-part question. Yeah. So <laughs> I think my dad used to paint houses in K-Town, and then he was going in and out of hospital so much, he was like, I want something a little bit more stable. And to me, I'm like, stable is not a liquor store. But he ended up getting his first one when I was in the sixth grade all the way. I still now so it's been a good i have no idea i can't do math um let's just say 15 plus years yeah okay <laughs> so there's i've always been there every weekend and then th in my early 20s when i was interning at different film places my parents were like you can't find a good job also i'm a total total millennial and it was after 2008 like the economic crash yeah. Nobody could find any work, and even all the internships. I mean, internships now, they pay you. They did not pay us at all. I, I think I did about, like, five to seven internships. I know. Just in a wow. span, in a span of a couple of years. Jeez. Wow. I don't recommend that. Yeah, yeah. that doesn't. not recommend yeah. that. That was a very specific time. Yeah. <laughs> and so while I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, my parents, like, work at the store. My parents were opening up a new liquor store that they were trying to transition to. It wasn't doing very well, but they, were, they told my, sis my sister and I to work there for at least, like, two years. So for a while, it was just us two, which was, I don't recommend that. I think <laughs> even if you are the sto store owner, you are viewed differently when you're a female. And they yeah. take advantage of yeah. you a little bit more. Yeah. And how old were you? Uh, I I was like in my early 20s. Yeah. Me and my sister yeah. both. So it's a little. Sounds scary. That sounds scary. Yeah. I've I been mean, in liquor stores. Technically, and, yeah. like this one was in Hawthorne. There was not much foot traffic. There wasn't that many things going on. They just, my dad just needed a physical person to be there while he was handling the other one, which was like, he was really part of the community. It was, there were so many things happening. Um, so I would go back and forth with between the really busy one and the really tame one. Mm -hmm. And I I guess like consistently maybe from my late teens to early 20s, like good five years, even though I've been always in and out of their work mm -hmm. just around. So actually, actually working there was maybe like five years, maybe. Can you tell me some of your experiences that you know? I mean, in the yeah, short I film, know, like, I, the crazy, like crazy yeah, stuff. Oh my any, God. Yeah. I don't like I'm... saying it because it makes me so emotional, especially because oh. when you're in it, you're <laughs> in like the most, like you are dealing with people who are the most oppressed. Yeah. They're getting like the thick of just like the worst parts of like society. Yeah. Cops are always like 
around kind of policing them for every little thing. And so you can feel their emotions. You can yeah. feel like everything that they're going through. And then eventually that leads to them taking it out on you. Yeah. Um, it sucks because you feel like you're at the bottom of like just the bottom scum part of society where nobody really cares. And you have two different communities coming together who don't know each other. Yeah. They can't speak to one another. They don't have a very clear understanding. For me, because I was, my parents don't know how to speak English well, but I, because I knew how to communicate to the customers, all I, I, I always feel like me and my sister, we grew up doing a lot of customer work. Yeah. We worked at Chili's. We, <laughs> we always say Chili's, but <laughs> we, we were very like customer service people. So yeah. I always felt like that was the only thing I could offer especially in a liquor store where you're meeting people day to day. And so even with that, even if I had like a very chippy attitude, yeah. I would be so angry like all the time. Oh, it made me wow. a person I really didn't like to see and be because it made me so angry. There were so many people that would come in, either they would spew just remarks or because I'm a woman, yeah. um, I would literally dress myself so down to the point where I looked so gross. Like, I didn't I didn't purposely, like, yeah. shower for days. I just, oh, like, wow. I mean, I always wear black in general, but I just, like, did But there not. was a message to this. Like, yeah, yeah. I had to be very intentional exactly. because anything could be, like, oh, you're you're so much, you're well more well off than us. Mm -hmm. You're, like, I get a lot of comments that way. And then if you're, you're a woman, you always get hit on yeah, exactly. and things like that. And because, even when I talk to policemen after, like, incidents have occurred yeah. they always say it, you have to you have to control your reactions to everything because you can go out and leave but your parents will still be here yeah. so whatever you yeah. however you react and the way you are interacting with the customers and if you end up doing something bad mm -hmm. your parents will end up taking the heat for it yeah. so don't do anything that's kind of like what this one policeman told me that's um, interesting advice. We had yeah. we had a lot of incidents where girls would just come in and steal like just chips. And my parent, I think my mom is like she really doesn't give a fuck. She'll go out after you if possible. But then, yeah. like I worked at Forever Twenty One, they always say nothing no. is worth. Me too. Yeah, yeah. nothing is worth. Nope. Wait, you going both out. worked at Forever Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of what they say. Yeah, they always say nothing is worth. Nothing like, is worth it. Yeah. Don't go after them. Just let them go. Yeah. My parents aren't like that. We will go after you. But it, at the same time, it's like four chips. I mean, yeah. it's not technically four chips. It's the principle, principle yeah. of it all. Like sending a message like, do not steal, please. It's, it's not worth it for us. It's not worth it for you. Like for them, what is uh, like us calling the police for chips? It doesn't make sense. And for them to potentially go to jail for that, it doesn't work out. Yeah. But I think... A lot of the people, they're not really thinking about that. They're just like either, yeah, they're they're hungry or they just want to have fun with their friends. Um, there's incidents that have happened that I'm like, it's I just have to stay quiet because yeah. my parents are the ones that are interacting with them the most, and whether they're fighting with the customers or things like that, like think like I always say, maybe my parents are like the most angry people ever. But we never we we don't resort to like actual violence, which is very surprising. <laughs> I guess that's what's so interesting about the idea of being I don't know what a liquor store kid, 
or mm-hmm. uh, you know child or children of liquor store owners where you know some people's jobs their parents occupations don't really you know affect you necessarily but you're a part of this exactly. world for sure yeah. it you sucks know? I mean it's different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I like the thing I'm trying to explore in the feature length film is that as a daughter or son of an immigrant in general, yeah. like your decision is not yours alone. Yeah. You have to factor in everybody exactly. and which sometimes you want to be selfish. You want to wow. kind of live your life without certain consequences or things like that, but you can't really do that. Mm-hmm. Everything is will eventually affect not only you, but your parents, your siblings, like your own future, your children, like things like that, which is a big, big burden. So I always felt like I had to watch what I said, even though I was very reactive. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a very toxic environment. It, It literally, I think a lot of the people that come in think that you own a liquor store, you have your own business, you're your own boss, you must be so rich. But we're there 16 hours a day and getting paid lower than minimum wage. And what's not is, worth does it. Does your dad, I saw one shot in mm-hmm. the, the short. Is he taking naps there or is he sleeping, spending the night there yeah, sometimes? Well, he doesn't spend the night there, but because he's there for so long. He needs to take a break. Sometimes yeah. 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. And my mom takes over at certain points. We have a cot in the back. And that was a lot of the people that usually work at liquor stores or anywhere else. They'll have some place to kind of sleep because it's not worth going back home coming back just for just for that for a couple hours yeah yeah. you're not super well rested but it's better than none does yeah what i do love about your dad though is he was like i want you to be happy Mm -hmm. even if it's filmmaking though well very like that's the short version he wants me to be happy of course sure but and no regrets, he said. Like afterwards, yeah. it's it's always like maybe. But, yeah. Right. Yeah. He always say you can do filmmaking any other time. You can have a kid and still do filmmaking. Yeah. But having a kid is only very temper. Like there's a short amount of time that you can actually do that, mm-hmm. especially it. as a Got female. It. Yeah, definitely. Which is a sucky situation. You don't want to have to take that into consideration yeah. sometimes, and you just want to be like, this is how, the way I want to live my life. Um, I understand as a female that is kind of the burden and yeah, it's something the decisions that we'll have to make. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, if it happens, like if I happen to have a kid, great. If I don't, great. Uh, I think my first priority was like, let's make a movie that represents our community that feels like a bigger task than just me. That's, That's your baby. baby. Yeah. Yeah. There yeah, you go. <laughs> yeah. It really is. Yeah. So. I, th- I think it's hard for them to understand. In the, so in the future, not only are we ta- tackling like gender dynamics, especially because like I'm a dreamer. I like to make dreams happen. Whereas my sister, she doesn't really have a dream. And she, she doesn't. She loves like just working. Um, <laughs> she, I was like, wow. Yeah. She, doesn't, she hasn't figured out what she really wants to do, but she really like, likes working. I always say we're customer service people. Like she was always in the hotel business. Go back to that or do something very customer orientated because you're a people's person. That is like your asset. Just hone down on it. But I think she wanted to really get married. So she came back to L.A., uh, searched for a boyfriend or a husband. She's finally getting married. Where did she come back from? Las Vegas. So in the hotel business, kind of come back. She was working at the Cosmopolitan as a concierge, and so probably saw her. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so kind of showing both sides of our stories. And then we have Danny, who we're elaborating a little bit more on his story. I think in the short, it was so small. Like, it was a blimp of his whole story. Because for him to, part of the narrative is the fact that he got to work at Nike. But the journey begins even before he worked at Nike. Because a lot of the part that I want to show is how he got the job at Nike. It's not an easy task. He did... Like, of course, he's very talented. He went to Art Center, but I think after his dad passed away, he was in a rut, and he just felt like he needed to do something drastic or just needed to do something. And Nike was like, bring us your portfolio. And Danny was like, okay, in the spirit of just do it, I will bring you my portfolio, but I will run it to you, like Forrest Gump it to you. <laughs> that was his pitch, basically. Yeah. Kind like, of. So like, from me, that's pretty LA awesome. to... Portland, Portland, Oregon. He ran. He ran for two months. Oh, wow. So that's part of the story. Like, to me, that is, like, <laughs> visually you can see how bad he wanted it, how, like, much, yeah. like, this was part of his journey and his goal. Yeah, and so that that's a part of the story I, want, I need to add because you work so hard for this dream, and then for you to kind of realize that you don't want it anymore or you yeah. you – Either you redefine what that dream is and you come back mm-hmm. to work at your parents' store and... Yeah. But he says something where he's like, my father would be rolling in his grave if he knew I was mm-hmm. what coming back to work mm-hmm. at the liquor store because yeah. he's worked so hard to get mm-hmm. the Nike job. I think, I mean, a lot of parents just want something better for you. So it's like, why... Nike is a dream in itself. Like, even whether you're an immigrant, whether you're just like a regular person, like, it's... Not anybody can just work at Nike. Yeah. No, I'm excited to see that story mm-hmm. develop more, and because uh, I was just like, "What, what happens? Why did like where is yeah. this coming from? This duty? I mean, I understand, you know, filial piety, piety. And yeah, all that stuff. But I mean, it's really hard. I think he he saw that his mom was working. She had other people working with her, but it's just not enough. You yeah. need more bodies. I they always say that with every. Every day you need two shifts, and in those two shifts you need two people. And some days my dad just works full days by himself, which is not healthy. Healthy, yeah. Um, There was times where I think it's also to kind of dismantle the model minority myth, especially because it sucks that a lot of our communities act like we're all rich because we drive Benzes or things like that, when in reality we're not very well off. Like, yeah. yeah. San Francisco, Chinatown, yeah, yeah, struggling, yeah. And so that's kind of another side that I want to show, even though, yes, it was hard enough to get this liquor store, but getting this liquor store is like a death sentence because you can't do anything. Yeah. You can't sell it because nobody really wants to. Yeah. Who wants to own a liquor store? Yeah. And I, I guess examining if at this point when our the sons and daughters of liquor store owners take over and revamp it, rebrand it, yeah. redecorate it. That's like, what I was saying. Would yeah. it, is it still considered an immigrant job? Is it mm. Would it still be as dangerous? Mm. And in some sense, it is still, the, the dangerous level always maintains, but it's, I guess, how you conduct business and the level of success that you can reach. Because, so, so there's me, there's Danny, and there's another, uh, there's two other characters. Her name's Anne, and she, her story is a little bit similar in, to Danny's where her, when her dad passed away she kind of came back to the store after pursuing a very successful musical music career in Korea mm. and 
I think it's hard because at that t- point, she was working at the store with her mother by her, just them two. To me, I'm like, I mean, they don't have another male figure yeah. in their lives. Uh, they kind of have to do it. And what, how, how the, I guess the struggles that she went through, especially grieving her and her, her and her mom, both grieving for her dad, as well as like having to work at the store where they're, they don't have any, any options at this point. And then we have a miracle story, which... Uh, yeah, your fourth character. My fourth character, his name is Kelly Huang. He owns the, the famous liquor store in Koreatown on Catalina and 8th called... Uh, I think it's just Catalina Liquor. It has the dumbfounded mural on it. And so it has been publicized. It has been... It's, to me, it's like the Koreatown liquor store now, especially because it has been in dumbfounded videos. And a lot of people come from... This person came from Seattle just to take photos and things like that. So wow. it's been, yeah. And so I think what his, the thing about his story is like the most idealistic. Like during the riots, it did not burn down. A lot of the, yeah. a lot of the communities helped preserve it. Yeah. And even now, it's really funny because my parents use a very old clunky cashier thing yeah. machine, yeah. and I see Kelly using like a square machine. Oh, that's oh, And I just think that's wow. so funny. Everything he does is like, you can scan it, you can do those things. Yeah. For me, I, we couldn't even figure it out. I'm like, I don't know how to work this thing. Like, I don't know I'll anything. Yeah, it's like, this is so confusing. <laughs> I, I know that you have to scan things before and then after. It's just like mm-hmm. too much work for us. Mm-hmm. We'd rather just do things manually. Yeah. But it also causes a lot of, a lot more hardships, obviously, yeah. because I'm con. If I work there, I'm constantly asking my parents, like, "How much is this? How much is this?" Oh, and yeah. when I'm in the front and they're in the back, like eating, yeah. and I'm like, "Somebody's here." So yeah. the, so because the cashier doesn't even scan things; it's just like it's, old school. It's full just on, like, I full on, yeah. Uh, wow. And then I put I do the t- <laughs> the whole tax, whether it's a liquor or it's food or things like that. I have to separate yeah. it all, uh, and then, I mean. A lot of the prices are, it's, I mean, it constantly changes. Yeah, so I yeah. don't know. Even the cost of liquor changes by, like, I guess. Demand or, yeah. like, sometimes it's like there's like where, where, yeah, where we're, we're selling it and yeah. things like that. So, so you've given people a few discounts sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> you've overcharged. I, I kind of <laughs> guesstimate. And they're, my dad's like, that's not right. I'm like, how could a can of Coke be this expensive? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like 95 cents. Inflation. I don't know. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot. It 95? used to be 60, 65 cents. For a can? A can of Coke. 95? Yeah. Cents. It's a whole ass dollar. I mean, I remember when I'm old. I'm not going to say You can't quote me because <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it has gone up. Uh, even Arizona iced tea, which has been like the mainstay, like yeah. it never changes. In yeah, price. it says ninety nine cents on the bottom. I think yeah. it, it it went up. They don't sell those cans anymore. They don't sell the cans that say ninety nine cents. I have no it's idea. Like now I one dollar. People yeah. have been buying the bottles, and they're like, "Where are the can versions?" Because <laughs> they're cheaper. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah. Too yeah. funny. Um, just to go back, you know, again, your father is like cool. Follow your dream a little bit. Mm-hmm. A little bit. With an asterisk. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but when did this love of film begin? Oh, yes. And then Second where, where was this epiphany? We're like, you know what, Dad? I'm going into film. And yeah. they're well, like, oh, my God. So I think since I was young, I always wanted to, like, change the world. I just felt so much of everything. Yeah. And I always felt like I was different in terms of, like, 
I'm Asian. Yeah. So that was always point, um, pointed out to me as I was growing up. Even growing up in K-Town and being surrounded by Koreans, I was like, there must be something more. Yeah. Like, there's not just this. Mm-hmm. There's, like, this is not, like, there's more to this story than just us. Yeah. And I think going to charter schools kind of opened my eyes because I didn't have the traditional, like, K-Town education that a lot of my friends did. Yeah. Um, we had a lot like a better education. We went to Catalina for field trips. And so when I went to, I moved to Torrance, to the suburbs, and then it was kind of culture shock because they're like, oh, you're a K-Town girl. Like, you, you're so, you have like all these weird phrases that you always say. Uh, I still say I'm going to bounce. <laughs> and they didn't say that? No, they didn't say that. There, there was little words that they were like, ah, oh, so weird. And I, to me, I was like, oh, this is a public school. And even though charter schools are public schools, I was like, wait, you guys don't have, you guys don't get to go to Catalina or like you guys don't have <laughs> <laughs> principals who have like three houses. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and so it was, so I guess I grew up with, uh, I mean, I grew up with a pretty decent education, middle school, high school. I just didn't, like, I was just not good at school. Like it was just, yeah. I was so bad. And I was like, okay, what do I want to do in life? Because I know that because I'm not book smart, I can't retain very much information. Um, how do I change the world? I was like, I love Good TV. List. Yeah, <laughs> I love TV. I love. I always want. I thought I would want to be a VJ because Suchin Park was at that point packed. <laughs> That's Suchin awesome. Pack. Yeah. Oh, at that point she was on MTV and she was just out there. I was like, okay, that's also an option. But you have to be very good at public speaking. I don't want to be a journalist. And I just really liked TV and watching TV. And so I was like, okay, how do I become part of media? And that's kind of how I started. Eventually, I took a film class because uh, I had a friend who really loved silent films. Mm-hmm. She was very, I had very alternative friends. Okay, yeah. <laughs> we went through a whole emo phase. Yeah. And then it was very different from my quote unquote K-Town friends because mm-hmm. they were all, I, I think stereotypically when you think of K-Town girl, you kind of think about like, Blonde hair, drawn eyebrows, and kind of ABG-ish, yeah, but K-Towns are, like, ruthless. It feels like attitude's a little bit different. Appearance-wise, very similar. Okay, yeah. ABG's Asian baby girl, by the way. Oh, yes. But more for the OC. Yeah, Yeah. I love ABG's. (laughs) Yeah. I love the culture. It's fascinating. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Something to talk about a little bit later. Yes, definitely. So in high school, I took a film class, and I was like, okay, this is maybe something I want to explore. I didn't know I really wanted to make films then. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until later on down the line that I was like, oh, shit, there's like no stories being told by about Asian American women. I was like, oh, do I have to take this upon myself? I I don't ever think that you're destined to be somebody. You just have to work really fucking hard. Yeah. And so I think I had, I just took all the necessary steps and tried to learn everything I needed to know about film to make a really good film. Uh, and that was kind of my whole way. I was like, okay, this is how I'm going to be able to change perception, culture, add my own take to it, my quote unquote, change the world. So, but you found it. You found yeah. the way you, how to change the world through filmmaking and yes. specifically through yeah. um, Asian American. You're yeah. doing it. Yes. yes. <laughs> love it. Yeah. Um, can we talk a little bit more about some of the past work you've done mm-hmm. besides just the film work? Like, oh man, like BTS. Whoa, what is? Um, that was a job. I was. O- I've always been into K-pop my whole <clears throat> life because I grew up 
with HOT, SES, and then I always have phases where I'm in and out yeah. of things. I even, I would, I think because I grew up in K-Town, I was never ashamed to be Asian yeah. until other people pointed it out, and that was kind of like when I moved to the suburbs. I grew up with yeah. a lot of like, it was, Torrance is a 50% white people, 50% Asians. Yeah. Um, but it didn't feel like it. It yeah. felt like we were the minority, yeah. unfortunately. And I would constantly be listening to K-pop. I didn't know it would help me down the line. Um, it wasn't until maybe 2017 I got back into K-pop because of BTS. I They're great. No, they're <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. I, I saw the music video for Save Me. I really liked how it was filmed. I yeah. loved the music. It was very airy. Yeah. I love Jungkook's voice. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I kind of got wrapped back up into it. And then I, I guess after I was pursuing, I've been always making short films here and there uh, because I always thought I would end up doing narrative stuff, not docs. Mm -hmm. I always really liked docs. And it was probably still in my background because I've made several docs in college. Mm -hmm. But I was like gung-ho about narratives. I want to make yeah. an Asian American girl narrative yeah. about K-Town girls. And so that was like, I was on the track for that. But obviously, it's you're not being, you need to be realistic about your goals and you need to have at least some income. And I got an amazing opportunity to create the first and only K-pop publisher on Snapchat. So I had no idea that, the, like, I thought Snapchat was primarily a, like, a camera app, right. which I think yeah. they advertise it as a camera app. Yeah. But I, I thought, okay, they just have filters, they have this. And I always ask, Gen Z, I'm like, how do you get your news? You don't have Facebook. You don't really look at Twitter. Like, I don't know how you're getting your news. And I didn't realize the whole other side of Snapchat is news-based. Okay. So a lot of publishers yeah. like MTV or Huffington Post or other people like that have spaces where you can kind of tune in. But yeah. because it's a very specific platform that has its own, like, language and yeah. things like that, we had to really cater it to them. Um, so it was a truly educational and one of the greatest experiences I've ever had because you're learning how to create content at a very different speed and taking other people's retention and... Uh, yeah, six seconds, right? Yeah, yeah. three seconds. Oh, three? We okay. have three seconds to engage the people. Oh, wow. It is. It sucks. I think in Instagram, it's one second. Yeah. So I've always had like a background in digital space because I had the YouTube channel, but I didn't practice what I was preaching yeah. uh, because I was like, I don't care. I want to just make what I want to make. I'm not working at a BuzzFeed where I need to hit a million views. That wasn't. But I think working at, it was called IDK, Identity of K-Pop. You can search it on Snapchat now and you can see our previous editions. I'm really proud of everything we worked on because I really cater it to that specific group. Mm -hmm. If I was talking about BTS, I would embody like their whole theme, their whole aesthetics, and do it with that in mind rather than um, a lot of people have certain templates. And we do have templates, but because we were either twice a week or once a week, I had the luxury and time to kind of work on it more. Mm -hmm. Even though technically you're working on something for a week and a half and people would click through it in 12 seconds. Yeah. That is the hard part, but I'm glad that it's part of culture now and we have at least one other thing that is in the K-pop space. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I was doing prior to what I'm doing now. And it looked fun. Yes, it was amazing. Because you were with them a lot. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the times we had opportunities to uh, meet them, follow them, interview them. 
most of the times were mostly writing. I wanted to like make a platform or I guess yeah, a publisher where we talked about things that aren't normally talked about, whether it is racism or kind of have think pieces. Because a lot of people think K-pop is all fluff. Yeah. And it can be. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it can be. <laughs> yeah. But we always think about like, what's the social commentary to this this music video and what yeah. is it what are they actually saying and what does this mean and let's break down what this music video uh, all the deep symbolism that might be in the yeah. but how much of the songs do they write it depends on the group right um i think most of them i think we're at a good point where a lot of them want to write and a lot of them do write they just don't get the opportunity to write mm-hmm. because a lot of the companies may not trust them or they're like okay well let's get to this point and then you can start writing your own songs mm-hmm. People like BTS, Stray Kids, I think Monster X, they all write their own music. And so they all cater and have a very specific message. I think Stray Kids is the, it's not the new BTS, but they're, they're really following the path of BTS because they are talking about things that are very relevant to people in their age group, which is why I love them because they're very angsty. They talk, <laughs> they talk about like wanting to find out who they are, why are they here, like, they hate studying, they hate school, you know, like things like that. Um, the the struggles that they went through as a young teen. And so I think that's always good to add to the conversation. Even now in a world where we know things are kind of manufactured, mm-hmm. like Spice Girls mm-hmm. and all the yeah. NSYNC and Backstreet Boys, and yeah. here's this new wave coming from Korea, people are still like, I don't care. Like, it's yeah. amazing. Like, what is it about? It's just... Oh, they're talented as fuck still, right? They're everybody like, is talented, yeah. which yeah. sucks because yeah. we, when people say like this group is better than this group because they worked harder. No, everybody has worked equally. The like the training yes. they get is insane. Yeah. They all work very, very hard. It's really a ma- People say luck, but I don't believe in luck. Yeah. It's a lot of hard work, but like right timing, right audience, yeah. kind of capitalizing on the right moment and trends and things like that. Um, I think BTS was one of those things where the stars really aligned. Every part of it just like worked in their benefit and it worked. And they're also really great people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think now because it's exploding so much, it sucks that as a K-pop fan, you're at a point where there's too many people coming through and you have too many choices, which isn't something that we had the luxury (laughs) Um, choice was not it. We just kind of went to whoever came to, came into town. Yeah. But now, in the month of May, at least five plus K-pop groups came to f- yeah. perform, and I was like, I can't. We're all broke. Yeah, <laughs> we don't. I can't. We not can't. Right now. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it sucks. Yeah, I'm glad that this is a good problem to have, yeah. and I'm hoping that it opens more doors and we kind of normalize having other cultures' music. Yeah, in mainstream definitely. media. I think when I heard P- BTS on Kiss FM, I like, completely freaked out. Me that too. Was, Me too. That was truly amazing. I, Me too. It was insane. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> it was insane. Yeah. I do watch them on the talk shows. I'm like, God, they, I mean. Yeah. What I do you get think? It. I see how, I, I guess I get, I just sense the, the passion from the fans. I'll yeah. say that. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Yeah. It's like intense. Right. Yeah. Just every. <laughs> are you though. are you that intense? The thing with, about or you're just like BCS, oh man, I love them, yeah. which is amazing. Well, K-pop in general is like once you're in, you're in. Yeah. 
And when you have the, like, if one person is that passionate, it's not just one person. It's like a hundred thousand people that are that passionate. I went both days to the BTS concert. That was not cheap. (laughs) And you posted videos. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Get it, girl. Yes. Um, I always think, sometimes I look at fans and I'm like, oh my God, they must be like, a lot of them think we're teens. And you can't no, afford this yeah. lifestyle if yeah, you're you a teen, nope. which sucks. Yeah. Unless you beg your mom or parents. Yeah, so yeah. Like, and even for me, like I didn't, I never went to any K-pop concerts when I was growing up because I, like, I didn't expensive. know. Yeah. yeah, I was like, oh, I can't ask my parents for this. Yeah. And there wasn't that many people coming through anyways. Yeah. But I was like, how do I even buy tickets? Like it was just such a big process. I mean, now the young kids come with their parents. Yeah. And it's a family event. Everybody comes. And it's, it's. K-pop is primarily, like, I think, honestly, 10% Asian. And then yeah. everybody else, other ethnicities. That's what I'm curious it's about. It's insane. I actually watched a YouTube video. I forgot. I think it was XO. Mm-hmm. And they were in Mexico City. <gasps> and they sang oh a specific Spanish oh song. Oh, my God. I Have you love seen that? that. That one? To an, a yes. crowd of audience, like an arena. I wasn't and, into XO. Oh, my god. I watched goodness. that video. It, it was truly... Life Their Spanish was great, by the way. It was insane. Yeah, <laughs> it was insane. I'm gonna take all your guys' word for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's yeah. Even if you go down like Santi Alley, just mm. like they'll be like, "Do you want BTS stuff?" And I'm like, uh, "Sure." <laughs> How did that cross over? That's what always boggles me. Is I that mean, they've there's... always been trying to cross over with like Rain and Boa and. But they're still mostly singing in Korean, right? Yeah. Or are they doing is... more songs in English? The thing is. They realized that when people were trying to cross over, because they spoke in English, is what made them fail. Hmm. It was lost in translation. Got it. And even though technically you are, you are understanding them, and because they're speaking in English, something about them speaking in English makes them lose the like, allure. Yeah. The exotic. The exoticness. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe, the but. yeah. So I think that's like why BTS always says they will not out with an English song yeah yeah a full-on English full song. On. right yeah. they did they, with a um, they did a collab with Steve Aoki I and saw they, we saw it they yeah. did that one but it's not a BTS alone yeah. right it's Steve Aoki yeah featuring BTS yeah. like right. they did the one with Halsey like she yeah, spoke yeah, English yeah. but like most of it is all yeah. in Korean so I think that's the you appeal. really like BTS. <laughs> I really, yes. <laughs> we only saw that video because we're like, oh my gosh, this video's kind of... Is this Stephen Colbert? Uh, the Steve Aoki uh, music video with the BTS mm. featuring... Oh, Mic yeah. Drop. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. That wasn't a great video. Oh, I thought it was great. You should watch... You should watch... Um, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Okay. This is the other thing I wanted to go over with. You critique films. Mm-hmm. You give reviews. Yes. I feel like we need to go through a list of the... <laughs> I mean, there's so many movies to talk about. So many. But recently, why don't you just give us your top recent films and then, like... Yeah, just start there. Start there. <laughs> Anything, Ooh. like, you think people do need to go out and watch that you totally like? So, I think because in... Like, when I was reviewing movies on YouTube, because I knew that there's already people reviewing blockbusters, I particularly was for international genre indie films primarily because I was like, these aren't getting enough light. People need to talk about them as well. So that's always been my area of of focus. And um, 
Oh man. How about in the last? Okay, I kind of already have a list. Just this year, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, I always recommend Bing Lu's Mining the Gap. Awesome, loved Incredible. it. Incredible. Yes. Um, there's a genre film starring Nicolas Cage called Mandy. Saw it as well. Truly mind blowing. I liked it a lot because it was definitely surprising. I love Nicolas Cage. I yeah. enjoy Nicolas Cage. He's, <laughs> <laughs> the good and the bad. I always take everybody. Um, I watch everything, even if it's bad. So I try to be generous because making a film is not easy. So I'm always like, damn, you did it. Mm, yeah. Right. Um, I recently watched Three Identical Strangers. Brilliant. Of course, I really like documentaries. You just saw John Wick? I saw John Wick 3. Twice. I'm going to see it tomorrow again. Okay. Yes. I'm waiting. It's that good. It's I fun. love Keanu. And the thing, I really like action movies. And when you can make a really great action movie, you can really see it. Mm. Because you're not doing a million cuts. You're not doing the take in like 19 cuts in two seconds kind of thing. Um, I can actually see people punching, like the choreography. Yeah. Like you could just see everything yeah. and the way that they execute certain scenes. They're very creative with it. Yeah. And they, it's like a Jackie Chan situation where you're using the surroundings around you mm-hmm. um, to help. Yeah. yeah. And so I really enjoyed it. I can't wait for the fourth one. They just announced that. I yeah. Know. Pretty I crazy. Know. Okay, I'm going to put this out there. Yeah. I need Carrie Ann Moss to be in the fourth one and for her <laughs> to be on the high table. And fight John Wick. That would be the best idea ever. I put it out there. I don't know how to reach uh, Chad Stelhelst. I actually, I, I, I know the editor of the this of John Wick three and two. He, you I should worked with him. let him know. I'm gonna that drop I that said, hint. I said I need this to happen. Evan Schiff, shout out. I'll let you know. Okay. Uh, that's a great fucking idea. I know. I saw it yeah. and I was like, I like it. Just I'm a huge Matrix fan. Oh yeah. So it has been my greatest dream to see the gang together again. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. Okay. Overrated films. Oh man, I don't know because everything is pretty good to me. Yeah. Yeah. What about the Marvel films? I love. The Marvel films. Good, I do. I, everything, like <laughs> you don't. Have to, yeah. I, I love it. I love them. <laughs> I absolutely love the Marvel. I was just so we curious. Need someone that hates it. Yeah, <laughs> I think when I watched Infinity War, it was the one. It was like I literally stopped and I was like, I can't believe I'm crying. Yeah. Um, oh, it, when they all spoiler alert. No, I, no, not the dying part. It was the coming together. It was the sacrifice of Thanos. That oh. he had to kill right. yeah. what yeah. he loved the most. Yeah, that was pretty touching. And to me, I'm like, for what? Like when I think they said, was it all worth it at the end? Yeah, with his daughter. Yeah. Um, what did it cost? And he said everything. And I was like, oh my god, <laughs> how <laughs> dare you <laughs> tap into like a primal emotional? <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. So, yeah, I watch everything from blockbusters to yeah. indie movies. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of something that should get highlighted a little bit more but I guess when I was thinking about my future film and what it would feel like I always refer to in tone I always say like mining the gap meet the Patels um in aesthetics Agnes Varda's Beaches of Agnes Shirkers Mm -hmm. even recently when I was watching the sun is also a star they had a little montage scene and I was like this is brilliant. I really want yeah. to see that. I, I love really want to see that. I oh, want okay. to see it so bad. I really liked it because for a, for a romance, like a teen romance film, yeah. it dealt with 
serious topics, yes. right? Yeah. And it was mostly in the perspective of children of immigrants, yeah. which you rarely get to see. And you get to really see their side. Yeah. yeah. And two well, especially in American films. No. Yeah. Two communities that really are always at heads, which yeah. is the Korean community and the African community. Yeah. And they kind of shed light a little bit on that, especially in the New York side. I, I don't know how much... I, I'm sure that they have their own struggles and mm-hmm. conflicts within, um, like, with the black community in New York. I always focus on L.A. because I'm from here and we have a very different history here. Definitely, yeah. So seeing that perspective was truly amazing. I really liked it. That was one. Yeah, you guys should watch that. When can we expect uh, Liquor Store Dreams? What is the next steps we've got the kickstarter going yeah we have the kickstarter going please tell all your friends uh please donate i think once you watch the short film i think you'll feel compelled to want to see the longer version and because i wanted to make it so much bigger than just us like i am hoping to add in more history more stories and this is something i want future Asian Americans people to like, Definitely, people yeah. to see because I'd never really got to learn about my history in school. Yeah. It was like a blurb in the textbooks. Yeah, it was like um, so I'm excited for that. So we have 15 days left. I and then I'm hoping to shoot end of June, early July, kind of sporadic days mm-hmm. in August and December. But we're gonna start editing in July, and I'm hoping we can have it all done by next april just in time for the anniversary of the la riots wow wow well it won't premiere like at that time but i just want to finish it because i think when it when we're gonna we're in the process of selling or kind of showing it to different festivals it'll be in the next year festival run Mm -hmm. so it's still good i I think the thing people are afraid about docs is that it takes so long and for me i'm like i'm very realistic I wouldn't do this if I didn't think it was possible. I'm not trying to take three years plus to make something that I have all the access to, all the people that I need, you know. Um, and so because we're telling more about history, it's, every, it's more of a retelling and what's currently happening in this point in time because our stereotype as liquor store owners is kind of dying down. A lot of Middle Eastern people are taking it over and either – the new kids or the children of liquor store owners, they're taking it over and revamping it. Um, Square. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it'll be interesting to kind of see. And I feel like it's very timely because when you talk about K-Town and Korean culture in general, like everything happens so fast and changes. By the time maybe this comes out, maybe there won't be as many liquor stores in K-Town yeah. or in South L.A. Uh, so... Gentrification. (laughs) Quick question. How did you find your subjects? Because I know, I mean, me personally, I know liquor store kids Mm -hmm. for sure. Like Mm -hmm. a lot. They're everywhere. a lot. Yeah. And did you talk to a bunch? And you're like, these stories seem to be the right ones to tell. I have, I didn't talk to. Or these were just ones you knew and they're like, oh, perfect. Like this happens. I knew that I had my specific story to kind of, kind of guide guide the narrative and then Danny came into play and because he was in the short films like I need to tell your full story because it's very different than mine and then I ended up meeting Anne uh, because she wanted to make a book about children of liquor store owners and get their experience 
um, eventually in our in one of our Kickstarter incentives where you you get a book, a photo book, and hopefully me and Anne can team up and kind of make that together. Right, you do photography as well. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then with Kelly, I just needed a very I needed a kid from K Town, an actual store in K Town, because a lot of incidents, quote unquote incidents, like happen there. Um, and his story was so like no conflict, smooth sailing. Like that rarely happens. Yeah. It takes a struggle to find what you actually want to do, what you're passionate about. And his parents were all game for it. His, game, his parents were like, "Okay, yeah, take over the store. That's great." Um, there are great perks in taking over as a second generation because you know the language, you can know the yeah. you know the business a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I since then I have talked to a lot more kids, which has been really great and enlightening i'm talking to a few more my producer that i brought on angela park is also a liquor store baby which i had no idea because we're very very different people and i always feel like people that were at least tied to the liquor store have somewhat of an anger problem sometimes (laughs) like me i think that's just a korean thing yeah (laughs) true 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 (laughs) that's why we call it k-rage yes she doesn't have the yeah Yeah, and so i always thought oh my god you grew up in a liquor store too i had no idea and other people reached out who are actually in film they're like hey i do sound mixing i was a liquor store baby like let's talk and i'm like i would love to hear your experience um and so i am talking to a few more trying to get uh, their experiences put in the book and really document a lot of incidents because I think the things that we had to see is not always the best. (laughs) And it really, like, I think part of the narrative is does it help you solidify what you want to do or does it make you, does it influence you in some way? Seeing your parents do it. A lot of people, that's all they know growing up, so they're like, why not do it? Why not go into it? A lot of people... They, they work in that and they're like, eh, actually, I really, really don't like this. Mm. Um, and then they kind of produ- pursue something else, something very, very drastic. Mm. And so what kind of influence does that have on one person? And if it does even affect like future generations, like your own career choices? Very important film, I think, mm-hmm. especially for now. So I'm really stoked to see the f- feature film. I know we have to be patient, but of course, everybody can go to Kickstarter and yes. look up uh, Liquor Store Dreams. It's there, yeah. Yeah, and we'll definitely be, Yellow Peril will definitely be donating. Yeah, we're all on, um, I'm on all the social medias. Yes. Always cool. posting, updating. Yeah. I'm very involved. And so, shout out to your Instagram. Like, reach yeah. out. I'm always open to having conversations, collaborating. I think truly, like, this is a collaborative. Mm-hmm like project it's not just about me and so i need like all hands on deck and is all of your social media platform just the title most yeah it's mostly liquor store dreams on twitter where liquor dreams move mov um because somebody has liquor store dreams apparently really have you reached out to them and been like what's up i they have not posted for like two years so i don't know if they'll even get it but dm them yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Slip into their, slide into their DM. Yeah. Yes. Just tell them, yo, like, hand it over. Yeah. We'll make it work. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for listening, Yellow Parallers. Don't forget to follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and anywhere you find your other favorite podcasts. 
Let us know what you think. Leave your comments or questions in a voicemail at 650-YELLOW-7. That's 650-935-5097. Or email us at yellowperilpod at gmail.com. If you have an event or project you'd like us to feature on our podcast, please feel free to contact us. We're always happy to help spread the word. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and subscribe to us on YouTube to watch the latest episodes soon after the podcast drops. If you enjoy the show and want to support us, please consider following us, leaving us a review, and supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yellowperilpod. And let us know what you think of our new co-host. And we'd love to have you back. Yeah. Of course, please. That was great. We can talk, we, like, we, have a we, whole edition. We didn't thing talk about, about ABG. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's a whole topic. That's a whole episode. I yeah. Think. We can bring an ABG on. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. A few. It takes a lot. Yeah. Is there a male counterpart to an ABG? Yes. Maybe G? Maybe. Um, Never mind. I'm sorry. You, when, you, when you see one, you know. Yeah. It's the oh, hype yeah. beast. Yeah. There you go. It's the that hype beast. It is. Yeah. I call them fuck boys. Uh, Before we go to end the show, it's a karaoke closer. In honor of So's time with BTS, I can't sing it. You, uh, yeah. So, because I don't know any BTS songs, but please. Oh my my my, oh my my my, my. got me high so fast. Now don't know how to fly. Oh my my my, oh my my my, got me high so fast. Now don't know how Oh 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 <laughs> and then I start saying rapping. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you so much again. That oh my fun. god. That was great. <laughs> Please cut some of the Why? song out. No. Uh, we did it together. Yeah. You're both, you're both you. look ridiculous. <laughs> thank <laughs> <I'm> you. <kidding. laughs>